Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 188. Regardless of the Royal Caribbean ship you sail on, the ports you visit, or the stateroom you reserve, there is one thing everyone has to do, and that is pack for the cruise. Packing is something you either relish or relegate to a loved one, but it's also something that has to get done. On this week's episode, I brought on a friend who is far more talented at packing than I am to share tips and tricks for bringing it all with you without the stress. Here we go. In our nearly 200 episodes of this podcast, I've spoken to a variety of topics, but there's one topic that I have to admit I'm not very good at, and that is packing for a Royal Caribbean cruise. Packing for a cruise is a challenge I think many people go through because of the nature of trying to include, well, everything you think you're going to need without resorting to bringing an old-timey trunk with you on the ship and the crazy fees the airlines charge for old-timey luggage. So, luckily... I've got friends in high places who know these sorts of things, and on this week's episode, we have a true expert to join us here, Sherry from Cruise Tips TV on YouTube. Sherry produces some fantastic videos about ship tours, cabin tips, really cool food slideshows, and of course, talking about packing. So Sherry, welcome to the Royal Green Blog Podcast. Matt, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I was watching your latest video about how to pack for a seven-night cruise on a carry-on. We'll get to that in a second because I don't know what small animals you sacrificed to make that work, but <laughs> we'll get there. But I want to. I wanted to look. Let's take a step back for a second. Why do you think packing for a cruise is such a challenge? Uh, I think it's a challenge because it's really difficult to decide what to leave home. I mean, we all know that we want to take everything with us, and we get into these scenarios where we think what if this or what if that? So I think that we all overpack for all of the what ifs that could happen to us. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when I think about if we go to visit my folks who live up north, I don't really experience this kind of anxiety, if you will, about <laughs> am I packing the right things? I'm like, well, I'll pack some jeans and some shorts. You know what? Maybe, maybe what it is is that if I'm going to visit my parents, if I forget to pack an extra shirt or something like that, I can just run over to, you know, JCPenney or whatever and pick up a new one. Whereas on a cruise, maybe you're, people feel like they're a little more limited. Do you think there's any truth to that? I think there's so much truth to that. And people know it's that old adage of if you forget your toothpaste and you have to buy it at the drugstore, it's going to cost seven ninety nine. Mm. It's the same thing on a cruise ship. I just saw somebody the other day commenting on Instagram that they left their conditioner at home and that the cruise line basically ran out because they weren't providing it anymore in the staterooms. And then, you know, we have these fears and, and it creates a little overpacking, overpacking fear, I think. Oh, boy, if I could tell you all the times I've had nightmares about leaving my conditioner at home. Oh. <laughs> Girlfriend, it's just not a pretty I know. Sign. I know, Matt. You and your hair. <laughs> all right, here's unrelated <laughs> to packing. Unrelated. I don't know about other cruise lines, but on a real Caribbean, uh, in the bathrooms, they have the mystery liquid that comes out of the showers that oh. allegedly is two for one. Are you a two for one girl or you bring your own? Heavens no. I am not a two-for-one girl. <laughs> however, however, in a pinch, I will use the two-for-one as my shampoo. And then my husband and son are perfectly fine with the two-for-one. But no, I would have I would have the frizziest head on the planet. That's what I told my wife. After like a couple of cruises, I'm like, she was packing. She mentioned something about shampoo. And I'm like, don't you use the stuff that comes out of the wall? She's like, I don't even know what that is. And I'm like, it's <laughs> magic. I don't know what it is, but I put it on my body and I smell nice. It's like a mystery gel, Matt. <laughs> oh yeah it's, that stuff's interesting yeah it's on a cruise that must be awesome that's all i'm saying yes um, definitely so, so sherry are there certain itineraries you think that are more difficult to pack for than others 
I do. I think packing for cold weather destinations like Alaska is probably a little bit more tricky because you end up taking more bulky things that take up more space. Mm. And you also, strangely enough, and I don't know, I always thought that this would be the opposite, but I find that when I go to cold weather destinations, things get dirtier faster, which seems odd because you would think when you're in the heat, um, you know, like in warm Caribbean destinations that you would you'd be more sweaty and things would get more dirty with the sand and everything. But I found the opposite to be true. I found that in Alaska in cold weather destinations, you, you know, you get mud all over your pants and things like that. So it's a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more tricky. And I think you end up having to take a little bit more stuff. Now here's always the, the challenge I have. And now I know Sherry, you and I both live in warm weather States, but that being said, mm-hmm. if you're going from a warm weather state to a cold weather state, or more likely a cold weather state to a warm weather state, it's always that challenge of, do I really need to bring the jacket with me? Because then it's just mm-hmm. going to sit there and take up space. But then I'm going to be cold for the first like couple hours going on the airplane. You know, <laughs> Where, that, that balance yeah. of like, can I cheat the system for a little bit and suffer, but then I don't have to carry it all with me. Uh, I mean, what, do you have any advice for like things you know you only need for essentially the transportation part before you actually get on the cruise? Yeah, that's really tricky. <laughs> I think, um, especially because of how bulky those things are, you're right. You know, yeah. the, the the jacket and the tennis shoes and the jeans that you wear on the plane can take up half of a suitcase. But yeah, generally speaking, if we're in that situation, we try to do our best to wear it on the plane. So maybe like a lightweight windbreaker, our sneakers and the jeans, they're going that's what we're wearing on the plane. And then they might have to be worn home a little bit dirty because that's the only, (laughs) the only change of clothes that is warm weather to get you back on the plane to your, you know, your Northwest destination or wherever home is. Absolutely. One of the things that we do now, granted we live in Florida, so we have the ability to drive to many ports, but if you do find yourself, regardless of where you live, having the ability to drive to a port and you're leaving your car somewhere, uh, the one tip that we've found, I think works out really well is we will have a small bag that we use for that night before. So basically everything we need up mm-hmm. until we get on board the ship. And that way we're not bringing dirty clothes with us on the ship. So you take them off in the hotel and kind of put them back in your car. Exactly. Yeah. That's a really good idea. I think we do sort of a less sophisticated version of what you're talking about. For me, it doesn't look that pretty. It's like you grab the the gross <laughs> dry, the, the dry cleaning bag out of the closet of the hotel and throw in whatever you wore. And then my husband's like, I'll go put this in the trunk before we get on the ship. So it's, I think, I think we need to plan it like you do. And it would probably be a little bit, a little bit better. Well, that's the extent, folks, of my entire packing knowledge, because now we're getting into the <laughs> stuff that I hope Sherry knows a lot more than I do about, because my packing mistake, I recognize that I overpack. I overpack all the time. We just did a nine-night cruise, and I'll tell you, I came back with at least a uh, half a dozen outfits I never actually wore, including one thing that's still in the original wrapping. So, uh, and th- This goes back to the video I talked about earlier, Sherry. You produced a video about how to pack. Uh, how to pack a carry-on bag for a seven-night cruise, and it sounds like you must have a video coming up right after that about how to cure cancer, because I think think they're equally impossible to do. So please, please, please (laughs) share with me, how can I pack lighter, anyway, for my next cruise? Okay, so if you're going carry-on only, you are you really have to buckle down and have some discipline. It is not easy. And you should know, Matt, I am totally a self-professed overpacker. So that, to me, is torture. It is absolutely no fun because I have to leave a few extra pairs of shoes at home. But 
There's a couple of different keys. I think, you know, the first thing that most people should do is make a packing list. And when I say make a packing list, I don't mean you need to go all Pinterest crazy and find something fancy <laughs> online. For me, a packing list is just that little a little list that I put on the notes section of my iPhone. And I start a few months before the cruise and I start thinking about what I'm really going to need. And then, of course, you want to check the good old weight requirements for carry-on bags if you're going to do it that way. And then like we talked about before, wear those bulkier items on the plane, which is always a really good idea. One of the things that we love to do when we're doing carry-on only, though, is to really watch the color palette. And this is where it gets kind of fancy. Um, You know, try to take things that match. It sounds really basic, but if you don't really plan things in outfits, if you just kind of put stacks of things together and don't really think about how they go together, I think that's how we get into like having an overweight bag. So we really focus on neutrals. And then the hard part, every, every woman on earth deals with this. It's cutting down on the shoes because they're super bulky and they're super heavy. And let's just be honest, half of them are uncomfortable anyway. So I usually try to go with maybe like two pair of shoes instead of three. So that might mean leaving my sneakers at home and just going flip flops and a nice pair of shoes to wear every night to dinner, including something that transitions from like a normal dinner to a formal dinner. So it's, it's challenging, but the shoe space is probably one of the most important things to do to really cut down if you're trying to go carry on only. And then of course you got to watch the toiletries because first of all, you've got those, you know, the three, one, one TSA requirement, but they're bulky too. So with that, we try to do like sample packets, like little packets of shampoos and conditioners and things like that, that can, they're not going to come back with you. The containers are not going to come back with you. You can kind of shed that weight, but that's a good way to kind of cut down on the bulk too. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up the the travel size stuff because I was going to actually ask you, one strategy we've used off and on is the idea of actually not packing toiletries, but instead making mm-hmm. like a CVS or a Walgreens run before the uh, right before the cruise, like either that morning of or late night before the cruise. And, and that way we don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. But you're right. Then you're kind of – A, you're limited. B, you're probably going to be tired. And C, it seems yeah. like a good idea when you're sitting at home but not when you're, in, you know, you're running crazy trying to get ready for the cruise. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good idea, Matt. I think you've just hit on something. If you know the port really well, uh, and if there's like a, you know, like you said, a Target or a CVS, and you know they have those sample bins, that's a really good way to go. And you can buy a couple of bottles of wine while you're at it, right? <laughs> there you go. Why not? Do it. <laughs> now, you also mentioned something else, which was interesting, is of course packing lists. And I, you know, I, packing lists seem like a great idea until you run across ones that have like things like diaper pins on them, which. Right. For those who don't have children, diaper pins are something you have for diapers that are the re- like cloth diapers, which no one uses anymore in 2017. <laughs> so it's like as soon as I see that, I'm like, all right, this list is useless because it's got things yeah. on here that's you know crazy. You just go on your own, right? Is that right, or do you actually totally? Sort of think- I go on my own. I don't. I do not like to get too fancy with that. So I'll make one list for each member of my family. So I'll make one for me, and it'll be simple. It'll say something like four dresses, two pairs of shirts sunglasses, hat, shoes, you know, things like that that are pretty pretty basic. And then for my son, I'll make sure to include things that I know that he really needs. He's eight. And for him, swimsuits, um, you know, goggles, his hat, and his medication, any kind of medication for a kid, as you know, you've got little ones too, like simple things like pain remover and cold medicine, things that I just do not want to have to deal with on the ship if anything were to come up are the ones that I write down. And then I just save the list from cruise to cruise and modify it depending on the weather and the duration and all that good stuff. You mentioned kids, and that's an important one because for me, it's hard enough packing for me for adults. For children, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, jeez, it's a whole nother level. I mean, how do you approach packing for kids? 
I know it's tough because they're kind of mess monsters. Um, you know, <laughs> my son will have, he'll dirty something in four hours. So we'll have to have a, you know, an outfit for breakfast and then another outfit to swim in and then another outfit for dinner. So I sometimes feel like I have to do laundry on board the ship. But usually what I do when I'm thinking about the little one is I just basically go for two outfits a day and then we pack a little teeny tiny thing of detergent. So like a, you know, like a tide mini pack that you could get at a drugstore in the sample aisle and we will rewash swimsuits and t-shirts and things like rash guards in the sink and then just hang them on that little shower line. So that's part of what we do with, um, packing for kids. The other thing I like to do with my son is, um, use packing cubes. We use packing cubes for our family in general, but it's really nice for kids because you can start early. So I'll start maybe two weeks early, lay the packing cubes out in his room on the floor or something, kind of get started and then think about it for a second and go, okay, wait, I just packed three white t-shirts. That was a really bad idea for a child that likes spaghetti with meatballs. So, you know, you can (laughs) rethink it, take stuff out and, you know, not overpack as a result. But I think more pre-planning is required with kids. And you always have to think about sun protection so much more too. So I'm always focused more on things like the hats, the rash guards, and the sunscreen for him. And then any other mistake I make, I can do laundry later. (laughs) So (laughs) that's usually what we do. And of course, if there's a baby though, you have to be thinking about packing loads of diapers, because that is one thing that you don't want to be stuck buying on board is diapers or medication for a kid. So yeah, what one cruise we made a, a run in Cozumel to the super the su- super mercado to get uh-huh. um, to get a Mexican version of formula and we we're like oh, luckily we no. didn't have to use it we didn't have to use it we thought we were gonna we were running low anyway it worked out mm-hmm. fine but yeah you don't want to be in that situation all right but you mentioned something else exactly mm-hmm. you mentioned the you mentioned the packing cubes now right. to me packing cubes are like it's voodoo I don't know I've heard about it but I've actually seen mm-hmm. I've never actually done it myself sell me on why pack why you use packing cubes. <laughs> the main reason is because I like to start packing early. And so what I do is I lay them out of my closet and I start throwing things in there. The reason I enjoy packing early is because I find it to be less stressful. I do not like to have to kind of cram pack the day before a cruise. So it's not so much about, um, you know, being spatially perfect with your suitcase or anything like that, but it's more about the preparation for me. So I can get all of my shorts and swimsuits and things like that put into a packing cube and stuck on a shelf in my closet weeks in advance. And then I can give my husband his set and say, okay, here's your packing set, honey, go for it. Pop everything in it, give it to me. And then we're good to go. Um, it's, you know, but it isn't, I don't really necessarily think it's a space saving technique per se. It's just more about organization. The other thing that I like to Matt, that I think, I think I can convince you on this one. I think you'll like this is that if you have shelves in your closet, in your stateroom, Mm-hmm. and you're on a shorter cruise, you can take the packing cubes and just kind of pop them on the shelf, open the top of it. So you sort of unzip them, open the flap, and the clothes are just sitting there. So like for a little child, their clothes are really tiny, right? You can just kind of go and grab things out of the packing cube as the week progresses, and it's a little bit neater. So that to me is also nice once you're on board, but they're not a necessity. It's just, it's a nice luxury if you like it to you like to take it to that extra level, which I know not everyone does. <laughs> now I know your husband is a clothes roller. Uh, yes, you, you, you re- saw. I saw that. So do you now for two questions? Well, two questions. Number one is clothes rolling about saving space or uh, avoiding wrinkles or both? It's about yeah, it's both. But he won't roll everything, so he won't roll his dress shirts. For example, he le- he will leave those flat. 
Um, but he's also just a really extreme packer. He is one of those people when you're going on a trip and somebody is assigned to pack the trunk of your car, that person who can get seven ice chests and everyone's suitcase and like everyone's sleeping bags in is him. So he's just got this really good knack for getting things into a suitcase. But I personally, I don't roll. I don't like rolling. I'm a folder. I think it takes too long. And I'm not that into it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, that was my follow-up yeah. is if you go for that. So can you share with us, Sherry, uh, an aspect of packing you think a lot of first-time cruisers do wrong or a mistake first-time cruisers make about packing? I think they usually overpack. That's the number one. Even though I don't really think overpacking is such a horrible thing unless you're flying and it creates problems for you. The second mistake that people make is they pack uncomfortable shoes, especially women for formal night. We all do it. We buy these gorgeous studded diamond, you know, um, Manolos that are going to look good with our formal dress. And by the end of the second course, you want to rip them off your feet. So if there's any one bit of advice I um, tell new cruisers is really try hard to wear your shoes in before the cruise, or you'll, re- you'll be regretting it. It's like, it's like walking across 15 football football fields in pumps. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> 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 this is really good stuff, Sherry. Uh, thank you so much. Aww. And uh, before, I also want to make sure to get to know you a little bit better. I want to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise, and just basically say the first thing that comes to your mind about uh, with any of these questions that come to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. This sounds fun. All right. Favorite restaurant on a cruise ship? Ooh, on any old cruise ship, it would probably be a steakhouse, where anywhere where they have a filet mignon that still tastes good when it's medium well. Now I'm going to get all your viewers mad. <laughs> Wait, no, I just just I should have texted you right now to tell you just tell them you like ketchup on it too. That'll oh, really no. get them going. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, ketchup. That's terrible. All right, so see no. people, she's not she's not without her benefits, right? She knows how yes. it goes. You can't there's certain faux pas that you just can't do. No, you can't uh, overcook your steak. You can't do it. It makes people so mad. <laughs> uh, preferred drink while on a, ro- on a Royal Caribbean cruise or any cruise for that matter oh no um, let me think there is this drink on Princess called Sam's Sidekick it's grapefruit juice gin blackberry brandy and I think a twist of lime and a little club soda and it's so good it's not overly sweet and it's my absolute fave now I'm a self-prescribed girly drink kind of guy is it will it fit, my, <laughs> fit that bill you are you're such a lava doozy kind of guy um, I love yeah, it. I think, I think it will. It's not, it, it may not be sweet enough for you, but it's definitely a cocktail. Okay. It's not like Quavassier or something like that. That's going to make no. me, you know, gag immediately. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it's not Quavassier. No, it has a little bite to it, but it's really nice and kind of has a fresh citrusy thing going on. I think you'd nice. like it. Favorite port of call to visit. Oh, favorite port of call to visit. I'm going with Tortola because you can access Virgin Gorda and the Baths, my favorite place on earth to date. I have not been there yet. That sounds amazing. Whoa, we got to get you there. It's so great. When your kids are a little bit older, they'll really appreciate it too. My kids don't appreciate anything, so it's all right. I'm going to go. Oh, now. no. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, my gosh. And, and lastly, what's your favorite song on the radio today? Oh, let's see. My favorite song. Well, this is kind of embarrassing, but my uh, my son and I have got into this idea that we're going to do a duet, a karaoke duet on our next cruise to Gautier's Somebody That I Used To Know, you know, that haunting breakup song. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but we, we sing it as a duet when we're on long trips in the car. So we're going to try to karaoke that one up on our next cruise. Just That's don't tell anybody. 
<laughs> That's a song that sounds like the police song, but it's not the police. It's always, oh, it's it's that other song. It might. Right? That that does sound kind of that does sound right to me. I mean, I have to think about which one you're talking about, but yeah, it could be. Yeah, well, a lot of things sound like the police. But anyway, this is a good answer. I like that. I thought you were going to say like 24K Magic by Bruno Mars or something new on the radio. (laughs) So that's not embarrassing. That's wonderful. Okay, good. Okay, good. may not be child appropriate, but that's okay. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, of course, if you want to watch some awesome videos on YouTube about cruising, and who doesn't because why would you want to do work at work, check out uh, Cruise Tips TV on YouTube. Of course, I will place links in our show notes at RoakermanBlog.com to all of Sherry's amazing videos. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us here and talking packing on the Roakerman Blog podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I can't wait to listen to the podcast. Welcome to our listener email segment where I read your emails that you send me about basically everything Royal Caribbean, whether it's a question, a comment, something on your mind, regardless of what it is, as long as it's Royal Caribbean related or baseball, we talk about it here in this segment. And of course, if you want to send me your emails about anything on your mind about Royal Caribbean, a question about an upcoming trip, an idea, maybe even something you read on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and you want to share or comment about it, this is your opportunity. And of course, you can do so by emailing Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. We begin our emails this week with an email from Krista who writes, I have a question about transportation from Orlando to Port Canaveral. We'll be going on a family wedding cruise in August of 2017, flying from Canada. We will be in Orlando for the week before the cruise. I plan on booking Mir's transportation for the eight of us to get from the airport to our resort condo, and again a week later for the six of us to get from the condo to the port. On the Mir's website, it looks like the company only starts the trips from Orlando to the port at 10 a.m. Before that, they're making trips from the port to Orlando, presumably to get people off the ship. My question is, do you know of other companies I can contact or options I can book to pick us up earlier in the morning on cruise day? Any other tips greatly appreciated. Chris, a great question. My first reaction is something that I always do in this situation, even before I lived in Orlando, but that is to drive yourself. You can do one-way rental cars, Chris. So basically, you pick up your rental car somewhere in Orlando, be it the airport, be a location near where you're staying, your condo. And then you drive it over to Port Canaveral and you drop the car off over there. This is very convenient. It offers you the opportunity to go when you want to go. You can also, you're, so basically you're on your own schedule. And the ba- best way to do this is you go to the port, drop off everybody and all the luggage. And then you alone, Krista, go back to the rental car facility to drop off the car. The reason is there is a free shuttle provided by the rental car companies back to the, back to the terminal. The issue is... A lot of people are going to be there, and they usually bring their luggage with them. So oftentimes, the luggage areas fill up before the van does. So if you're there by yourself with no luggage, it's very easy to hop on the van and grab the next one over. Whereas if you have all your stuff and all your friends with you, you're going to have to wait for a spot in line. So I hope that made some sense there. The advantage of this, I think, is it's very convenient. Often the pricing, especially for a group that you mentioned, you've got six people, I would be shocked that this is not the cheapest option. And when you're looking at rental car prices, Krista, always keep checking all the time. Not just today, uh, you know, find something that's a reasonable uh, price, but keep checking over and over and over again. One of my favorite places to actually do this for you, because why not have someone do it for you, especially if it's free, is a website called Autoslash, and I will place a link in our show notes to it at RoakerMinBlog.com. Autoslash is a service where you basically tell them, you know, what you want to do, and then they continuously reprice the the car rental for you every single day, and if the price drops, they automatically rebook it and send you a nice little email to let you know about it. With car rental prices, and even if you don't go through Autoslash, the prices drop a lot, especially very close into the, the pickup date. And because there's no penalty for canceling and rebooking at any time, 
there's really no reason not to continuously recheck. So, you know, you're right now we're recording this in in March and you've got a cruise in August. So book something now just as a placeholder. And as you get closer, once you get to like June and July, start considering, you know, checking more often, especially those last couple of weeks, the last two weeks before Chris, that you should be checking every day because the price will drop. And oftentimes it's precipitously. So keep checking. You'll be saving some money there. And I promise you, this is probably going to be the best method. Now, if you're totally against driving, maybe you don't enjoy driving. No one wants to drive. You're all going to be enjoying mimosas in the morning, and that's your thing. Hey, no worries at all. Then there are many other travel uh, companies available. Car car services is basically what you're looking for. Certainly, Uber is an option, or Lyft, one of those car ride-sharing places. The other one, of course, there's many uh, agencies that will do car service for you. Happy Limo is one that I've heard very good things about over the years, and that would be one to look into as well, Krista. So hopefully this gives you a decent idea of what to expect. But yeah, don't settle for what Mears is offering you there just with those times. You should absolutely do what you want to do, and there's there's lots of great choices there, Krista. I think you're not going to have any problems finding something. In fact, you're going to have the opposite problem. You're going to have too many choices. But if it were me, I'd do the rental car. But if you're against the rental car, try a car service, either be it uh, like a Happy Limo or something perhaps more akin to Uber or Lyft might not be a bad choice as well. Thank you, Krista, for the email. Our next email comes to us from Bobby Sass from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Matt just wanted to write and say thank you for all your help in making our 15-year anniversary trip a reality. As a 20-year veteran of the Navy, I've never taken a leisure cruise and swore I would probably never would. That is until I start listening to your podcast. I listened to you for years on WW Today, and when you turned the keys over to the new crew, I searched you out because I missed listening to my fast-talking, uber-passionate virtual friend. Listening to every podcast from the beginning did not take long, and it also didn't take long for me to approach my wife and ask her if she considered a cruise instead of a two-week Hawaiian vacation. Long story short, we ended up planning a Western Caribbean cruise on Oasis of the Seas. And we tacked on a preceding week at Disney World just for good measure. Getting people to watch three school-age children and younger kids for two weeks is a big favor. We're now only a few weeks away from the excitement, and it is palpable. Your blog and podcast have been immeasurably helpful and fun. Incidentally, it has ignited an almost daily cruise talk session with a really good friend at work who happens to be a Norwegian fan. That's a lot of good-natured one-upsmanship going on there, but you and I both know Royal Creaming is better. Anyway, thanks for all you do. I look forward to one day meeting up on a future group cruise. Bobby, thank you so much for the email. Love it. I'm so glad that you've been listening, and I can inspire you, if you will, to book a cruise of your own, and, and I hope you have a great time on Oasis of the Seas. What a fabulous ship. I think you have a great time, and I hope, at the very least, you will notice it far more enjoyable than your time serving in the Navy. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Marjolaine from Quebec, Canada. Writes, hello, I was curious to hear your, hear your opinion about this. Would you go on a 12-day cruise with kids aged 4 and 5? We've been on 7-day cruises with them when they were younger, like 1 and 2, and it was quite difficult. Of course, they were too young to go to Adventure Ocean, but still, 12 days is a long time. It would be grandeur of the seas. That includes 3 sea days, 5 ports, 3 sea days in March 2018. On that subject, I haven't found anything regarding grandeur on your blog or podcast. I'd love to hear more about the ship sometime in the next year. All right, well, we just got another question, so let's hit this one first. 12-day cruise, 4 and 5. I the answer is yes. I mean, granted, I am not the most unbiased person out there, Marceline. I but I bring my kids on virtually every single cruise we go on, and you you hit upon something I think is important, which is there is a big difference in age between one and two and four and five. Being four and five. 
the children are going to be able to be slightly more rational, slightly, than they were at one and two. They're going to understand time concepts. They're going to be able to take advantage of Adventure Ocean. I think absolutely. You, I think you definitely got to go for it. I'm going to say YOLO book it because that is absolutely something you should take advantage of. And that being kids that age, I think they'll enjoy it too, uh, either through Adventure Ocean, exploring the parts are going on, or just, you know, <laughs> a combination of both. I mean, I'll tell you, my kids absolutely look forward to cruising time and time again. Right now, they are two and six. So um, the two-year-old is still outside that window that you're talking about here. But once they get to four, I mean, they, they you know, they've got that stuff down. I think you'll have a great time. And uh, to your question about grandeur this season, you know, we haven't, we've done some listener reviews, I believe, of grandeur. But I haven't actually, obviously, reviewed it personally. It is on my list of things to do. I just haven't been able to get around to doing it, believe it or not. There's so many ships out there. And, of course, we're welcoming because I'm building new ships but I would love to do Grandeur this season out of Baltimore. It's a, It sounds like an amazing ship. I hear nothing but great things about it. So I think you're in a good spot. Let's put it that way. Now, Marjolene's other question was, have you ever met a family using Adventure Ocean services with kids barely speaking English? We plan on teaching them before we go, but I'm not sure how proficient they will be. My daughters would be with each other in the group, being four and five, but I'm worried about the interactions with the staff and other kids. I think they can learn a lot and have a lot of fun, but is that unrealistic? Ooh, that's a good question. So first and foremost, the staff is not all from the United States. In fact, very rarely you ever find staff from the United States, even if the ship is based in the U.S. They're from all over. And certainly, I think since you're in Quebec, I'm imagining you speak French. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that's what your kids speak, at least. And even if they're not completely bilingual, that would be okay. Usually they have someone there. First and foremost, what you should do is when you get to register your children, let them let the staff know, hey, my kids speak primarily French. Is that going to be a problem? Usually they've got someone to cover that. I mean, you're not talking about a more uncommon language. Spanish, French, Portuguese, these are languages that are pretty prevalent along with English. I Now, granted, I've never tried this before, so I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know definitively, and I like to think I know quite a bit about the Adventure Ocean program, considering my kids have been going there time and time again. But I think you'll be okay just because I think French is is going to be uh, is going to be is kind of a common language. Now, if the 5-year-old is a little more proficient or can, you know, get some basics and can translate essentially for the 4-year-old, you know, with, you know, some basic stuff, I I think they'll kind of figure it out. Certainly there's some key basics to start with when they get into Adventure Ocean. They need to go take their shoes off and wash their hands. So certainly you want to make sure that they're aware of that. Teaching them some key phrases would be important, right? Uh, but I think a lot of it, especially at the Aquanauts age, which is the three to five year old segment of Adventure Ocean, I think a lot of it is really just monkey see, monkey do. I mean, these kids, regardless of which language they speak, I, I think they're just kind of watching the other kids and the counselors for what to do. This is not SAT work by any means. So I'm, I think you'll be okay. Again, speak to the staff when you get there on embarkation day. Let them know what's going on. And hopefully your five year old will be able to pick up on enough basic phrases to to go with it and you know what you can always try it out right I mean, if there's always an, if there's ever an issue certainly the staff will contact you you can ask for a phone uh from adventure ocean if you think there might be some issues there and certainly they'll be able to accommodate you as best they can so i think you'll be okay marjoline i hope you have a great cruise sounds like an amazing opportunity 12 nights wow what an amazing cruise i want to go on 12 nights Next, we have an email from Michael Vitale. Reds. I have a question that's too long to post on Periscope. I was just looking at the cruise planner, and I got to thinking, if you book a grand suite at $2,000 per person, can you book a nearby interior at, say, $600 per person simply as a cheap way to get your children or parents or friends on the ship, but then have them stay in your suite rather than pay the $2,000 for each person? I mean, it's not like they're stowaways. You paid for the room. You pay for its storage, extra bathroom, etc. But if they choose to spend the entire week in your suite, is it allowed? Or... 
would they protest, they being Royal Caribbean, and say, no, if they're in a suite all week, they must pay 2000 That's a really good question, uh, Michael. So I, basically what Michael's proposing is, let's say, again, you got two rooms. One's a grand suite, one's an interior suite. you got four people, just for easy math. You're going to pay for two people to stay there officially. The other two people stay in the other room. Here's what I, I kind of did this already, Michael, to some extent. When we were on our Navigator, the Seas group cruise that we just completed, we had a grand suite and a balcony suite, the balcony room rather, uh, category D2. They were, they were connecting rooms. So my kids were in the D2 and I was in the grand suite with my wife. Now, officially on the books, my wife was in the, was in the balcony room, the D2, and one of my daughters was with me in, in the suite. They could not have cared less. I think you'll be okay. Certainly, you have to understand that the sleeping conditions might be a little tight. But, I mean, if your issue, Michael, is like, can they come hang out with you all hours of the day? Absolutely. There's no re- restrictions on that. The only issue is when I was in my grand suite, I don't know which ship you're thinking of, Michael, but there was obviously the, the bed, right? That you had the, the, t- the queen-size bed. And then there was a pull-out couch. I don't know that that would be any kind of an issue at all. Uh, certainly, it's one way to get around it. Of course, there is one... I don't know how much an issue there would be, which is, of course... The two people who are booked into the inside room will not have gold C-pass uh, cards. And that may or may not cause an issue getting into things like the concierge lounge, flashing your room key around. Certainly, they'll be dependent on you to lead the way, almost like the fullback to their running back, if you want a sports analogy for you in football. Um, so that'd be really the only concern you might have. And of course, their account will not be linked to any of the other gold uh, benefits you get with being in a suite. But theoretically, sure. I mean, the only person who's really going to know is going to be your stateroom attendant. And if you were to, you know, slip them uh, uh, a certain uh, friend of yours that comes out of your wallet, hey, uh, you know, I'm not sure they would really care all that much. But you have to understand that technically speaking, there'll be a difference between the, the four of you if we're using four people as an example. Now, if you have like 12 people in there, that might be a problem. But I don't know where those 12 people would sleep anyway. So I don't think you're going to be impractical like that. So. I can tell you again, from my experience, we were able to do that without an issue. My wife was concerned that she would not be given access because she was not technically, you know, in the room and she didn't have a gold card. They really didn't care. As long as they see one person with a gold card, it's pretty much okay. And it wasn't egregious. So I guess I'm telling you that it worked sort of for me, Michael, and I don't see why it wouldn't work sort of for you. But again, there are some technical downsides to it that you have to be aware of and be prepared to deal with if that were to come, right? If they say, no, sir, it's only... You know, let me see your, your gold cards. Ah, there's only two of you. Okay, only two of you go to the concierge lounge. You have to be okay with that scenario, right? Same for reserved seating and other things. Uh, that That's another uh, issue altogether. So, And it may depend on the ship. I'm actually going to be trying out, Michael, the Grand Suite on Anthem of the Seas coming up here uh, actually in another week. And uh, my parents are joining me on this cruise, but they're not in the suite. My whole family is staying in the suite this time, my, me, you know, my wife and my kids. So we'll see if there's any issue with that football analogy I gave you earlier or if they're going to be more stringent. Certainly on Navigator, that was not the case. But again, your mileage may vary. So good email, Michael. Thank you very much for it. And we'll wrap things up here with an email from Jeff from Buffalo, New York, who writes, found your blog about three weeks ago and have been cramming hard for me upcoming sailing on Oasis. I have a question. Thought you would be a good one to ask. For the specialty dining restaurants, I noticed there is a separate price for kids. I have a 10-year-old boy who eats like an adult and is very interested in adult cuisine. If I pay the lower rate for children, are they then forced to order from the kids' menu? Thank you for your time. Keep up the great work. Jeff, I got good news for you. No, not at all. Um, if you've got kids that are younger than 12, when you're booking specialty dining before your cruise, don't book them. So let's say, I'll give you my example, right? I got me, my wife, my two kids. If I was booking Chops Girl, I would only, on the cruise planner online, I would uh, book it for two people, me and my wife. The reason being that there's special kid pricing, and Jeff already knows about that. And what you do is you go there on the day and say, hey, it's, we've actually got kids with us, 
and it's actually going to be a group of four, no problem at all. Now, the question Jeff has about is, can the 10-year-old order something off the regular menu? I've, In my experience, that has not been an issue. Uh, they certainly get a kid's menu to order off of, but they're free to order whatever really they, they'd like to. They've been very accommodating for it. I, to be honest with you, Jeff, I don't know if there is a hard and fast rule written down somewhere about it. I just know that there's special pricing for kids, and that's it. So I, and again, in my experience, it's never been an issue for the kids to order off the regular menu, even though they're paying the kids price. So I think you're in the clear, Jeff. So go for it. I'm giving you two thumbs up. Not that you can see that there. All righty. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. Of course, you got questions, thoughts, something on your mind about Royal Caribbean. This is your opportunity to do so. Send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon.